The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. What it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I'm a believer, not a doubter. A doer, not just a hero. Today, Nanshanje, Fandach, I will learn from God's word, and my life will never ever be the same again. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Amen. It's so lovely to be with you this morning, dear family. So last week, Pastor Tafara taught us on how to position our hearts in the kingdom of God. What I want to share with you this morning, we learned that we don't put our trust in money. We put our trust in God. You know, I'm just reminded now that faith is born in love. And I think the same thing, trust is born in love. When you have received the revelation that God really loves you, it will be easy for you to trust Him. So what are we going to do this morning is talk about, about what this kingdom looks like. And the word that God has for you is child of God. You are living under open heaven. Amen. Jesus came and He changed everything. Our first scripture is Deuteronomy 28 verse 12 in the New King James. It says, The Lord will open to you His good treasure the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Now, interesting, says Jesus, opened to you his good treasure. This word open is the Hebrew word potak, which means to open wide. So he's opened the heavens wide to loosen. So if there was any hold on heaven, Jesus loosened it to let go free. So through Jesus, our heavenly Father opened the heavens wide for you and for me. And the promise here is that he will bless the work of your hand. So when we work, we are blessed. We have to put our hand to something. This is how the kingdom of God works. So we trust God for a job or something to do. We follow his instructions and we, we will be blessed in that. And then he said, we will lend to many nations. I'm honest with you. When I really studied the scripture, I never thought about it. That I can lend to many nations. Not one person, not a few people, to many nations. Take this word this morning and write it on your heart. And then he said, we shall never ever have to borrow. So I will never have lack in my life. All my debt is paid. I have more than enough to live this life in Jesus' name. So we live under an open heaven, friends, with everything that is equal to heaven, now a reality for us on earth. So it is God's heart for us. Heaven didn't open for nothing. It's his heart for us to be a reflection of this open heaven. So we know that God is always personal, you know? This is the thing, what he does with us. There's always an exchange with him. So I want to give you three things that heaven is a picture of. In the first place, for me, it's a picture of God's heart. And if we go to Matthew 6, that's where Jesus taught his disciples to pray. It's the model prayer, okay? And um, 
He started by saying in verse 6, he said, don't pray, do, therefore do not be like them. He's talking about the hypocrites. He's talking about you don't have to use a thousand words to pray to me. Don't be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. God is personal. And I really strongly feel in my heart that God wants to say to someone this morning that I know what you need even before you ask me. That's going to change our prayer life if we really live like this. He knows what we need. Verse 9 says, In this manner therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our lives is supposed to bring God's glory. It is God's heart that with my life and with your life, we will glorify him. Verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no, this is easy. Short, sweet. There's no lack in heaven. No poverty in heaven. So if it's not in heaven, I'm not going to accept it, okay? Then heaven is a picture of eternity. I love John 17.3. This is one of my big revelations in life is that eternity is not just to live forever. It is to know God. John 17.3, to know God and to know Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Knowing God through a personal relationship with him. I mean, God is so personal. If you think about it, he could have sent anybody to save us from on the cross. He could have appointed a man, but he didn't. He appointed his son. He gave his son so that you and I can live under open heaven. So God's heart is that we will live in this heavenly, I love the word heaven, don't you guys? This is coming alive. That we are living in a heavenly unit with him. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 in the Amplified says, He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has also planted eternity in the human heart. And this eternity is a sense of divine purpose. You and I have to be aware that God has given us a divine purpose, a, a supernatural purpose, because it says nothing under the sun can satisfy us except God. There's nothing. Have you seen people searching for something? Always say if, if people are broken, it's just they've got a hole in their heart. And it's only Jesus that can actually fill that hole. When I know God personally, I will know his heart for me. I will know he's got a purpose for me. So, I live this awareness of a heavenly purpose by being a blessing for others. Living my sense of divine purpose by being a blessing. You know what? God wants us to change other people's lives for eternity. Because on the other flip side of the coin, it's a bad story. Hey, people die and they go to hell. God doesn't want anybody to be lost. And you and I are going to be make it available by being a blessing. So we're a channel of, God, channel of God's love, of his grace, which is his ability, and also of his abundance. And then in the third place, heaven is a reflection of abundance. There's no lack in heaven. We've said that. Poverty is never a blessing. Poverty doesn't bless me. I've learned that I have been poor, very poor. It doesn't bless me. It doesn't bless other people. Because if I'm poor, that's what I am. That, that's my life actually stops with me. It does not honor God. Poverty does not honor God. Poverty is a reflection of who the devil is. And God did not create us in the image of the devil. We were created in the image of a living God. Okay? So... When I was a little girl, 
My dad had a few partners, and one of these was a Jewish man, and they were very rich. We couldn't, you know, kids, okay? Like they love birthday presents. I just had two grandsons who had birthdays in the week. They love gifts. And I remember from this couple, we got the biggest gifts from this Jewish couple, even bigger than what we got from our parents. So we could never wait to see what Uncle Tony was going to give us for our birthday. And I thought, you know, and also the Jewish people, is they're very good business people, and that my dad also testified to that. And I thought, maybe just because they're God's special people. I mean, they are God's special people. And then Pastor T sometime told us, taught us here from the pulpit, no, the Jewish people do not believe in poverty. They also teach their children from very little to give 10% of everything that they receive. You see where abundance comes from? Abundance is what I always say. My life is what I believe in my heart. The picture of my life is what I believe in my heart. Okay? Because what I believe, and I believed I was poor all most of my life, and I actually lived that life. So we have to change our belief system. Because you know what? If I think about it, the Jewish people are special people, God's own special people. But not even a Jew can change the world, a broken world. Not even a Jew can change circumstances. But Jesus did, okay? The only thing that we have to remember this morning is that they actually do not believe in poverty. Okay. Proverbs 10 verse 15 in the New King James says, The rich man's wealth, which is talking about an adequate amount, it's a lot, it's wealth, is his strong city. Now this word strong is talking about strength in various forms. Listen to what it is. Strength in security, in material things, physical, personal, social, and political. Who does not want to be strong in all these areas? We've got the whole world covered. We've got South Africa covered. Do you agree with me? That is what a rich man's wealth does for him. It brings strength into his life, where it says the destruction of the poor is their poverty. Now, Jesus said in Psalm 107, verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all his destructions. So you see, church, why we have to tell people about Jesus? Because even the poor will be saved from their destruction. So poverty destroys people. And we know they say it's number one reason of, of a divorce. Poverty, finances, bad finances. So poverty is not a reflection of who Jesus is. It is a reflection of an open heaven. And it's almost like I had it in my mind, like before Jesus came, heaven was like a shield. And the moment Jesus came and he died on the cross, that shield was removed. And everything just, you know how the kids love bubbles. The bubbles always go down, okay? Everything, that's exactly, Jesus' whole heaven came down on us. So we have never, ever have to settle for lack and poverty. That's my choice. So let me give you a definition of prosperity, which Pastor Chipo really explained well last week. Second Corinthians 8 verse 9 in the Amplified. I think you've got it in the Amplified Classic. Yes, there we go. 
For you are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kindness, his gracious generosity, his undeserved favor and spiritual blessing, in that though he was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor, in order that by his poverty you might become enriched, so abundantly supplied. Jesus came so that we can be abundantly supplied. Now, I know Uncle Andrew always says the Christian life is not an improved life. It's an exchanged life. So I have exchanged my life for the life of Jesus, and that is why my life looks different. So grace is, grace equals Jesus. We understand that. It's his ability that came alive in my heart. It's his unmerited favor. Everything that Jesus is, his goodness, all his gifts, an open heaven, that is grace. And that your, that is saying, that your by his, uh, where's the your now? That I'm at your sakes, for your sakes, he's talking to us. Okay? He's talking to you and to I. So God is speaking to each and every one of us. Know that he became poor so that we can be rich. And this word rich is the Greek word pluteo, which means wealthy, literally and figuratively. To have abundance, to be richly surprised, supplied. You know, if we read the scripture, how can we settle for lack and for poverty? Because Jesus gave us everything. Also, he gave it for always. Jesus is never going to go back to the cross again. He doesn't have to die for us again. He did it once for all. So he's given us that abundance. So what is the reason for God's grace in our lives? It is literally so that we can be a blessing to others. So my prosperity are actually measured by if I am a blessing. And God spoke to me a while ago and said, you know what, to fund someone's Bible school is like paying into eternity. It is like sowing into eternity. That is how awesome it is. And if I'm not able to bless someone, then I'm just not prosperous. We know 2 Corinthians 9, 10 says, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has scattered. I want us to see ourselves scattering it. All that abundance, I'm scattering it over you this morning, okay? Because even it's in the Word. Because, friends, we're going to get in heaven one day, and someone's going to come to you and say, thank you that you paid for the, the gospel of Jesus to be preached, because that Word saved my life. And look where I am today. This is how real Jesus gets with us. We're going to get there one day. And we're going to hear of all the miracles that the seeds that we have sown. So the biggest gift we can give someone is a word from God. But it costs money to present that word to people. And that is why we give money. That's why we sow. That's why we do offering like Pastor Henry said. So that others can hear the word so that word can save them. And then he says in verse 11, he will supply seed to the sower and bread for fruit. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. So God gives seed to the sower. Because, family, if God can get it through you, he'll give it to you. Okay? We are not that rotten dam that smells when you walk past. Okay? We are rivers of flowing water, the power of the Lord. Because the moment that water stands still, it actually starts stinking, okay? 
we are not that. We don't hoard. We don't see how much we can get. We are givers. We are sowers. It's forever flowing through us. Because 2 Chronicles 69 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, I love this, throughout the whole earth. Not just here, the whole earth. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The Lord's eyes is on you who is representing his heart. God opened his heaven. He gave it to you. I want to ask you this morning, are you opening your heaven? Are you giving it away? Okay? Because he will increase whatever you give. And now if we think about God, Jesus was the greatest giver because he gave himself. And his motive for his gift, God's motive for his gift was us. What is our motive? It was love. And that's the same way that we give. So Ecclesiastes 10 verse 19 in the New Living Translation says, A feast is made for laughing. We all love to get together and have loads of fun. A feast is made for laughing. And wine makes merry, but money gives everything. The New King James says, money answers everything. The Afrikaans says, but money pays for everything. I want to submit to you this morning that I'm sure God knew about that. He knew that we were going to need money to live on earth. He knew that we want to bless our children, that we want to get married, that we want to have a job, we want to do this thing. And that is how the kingdom of God works. That's why he said, if you sow, when you give, it will be given unto you. It is, you know, I think I lived uh, overwhelmed by finances most of my life. And I tell you what, that's not fun. Sleeping at night and you don't know what you're going to give them tomorrow morning for little girls when they go to school. Or how you're going to pay your rent even. Because it was just impossible for a single woman to provide for four girls. But even though I didn't know what I know today, I knew that God loved me. And he came through for us so many times. So many times. So I remember that I had a friend, and I still, we're still friends, she's in Pretoria, that I often one wished I could have Yolanda's life. Because her life seemed so easy. They were very rich, and they really helped us a lot. But this is what happened when things go bad for us. We think, I want to be, uh, uh, what's his name? Bill Gates, thank you, Pazdini. Bill Gates or Harry Oppenheimer. We always think it's, uh, their lives just look so much easier. But I heard these words this week from Words of Wisdom from Rich Kanvali from Colorado. He wrote a book, and he said, the grass is not green on the other side of your fence. It is green where you water it. God empowered us to make it better where we are. There where God has given us opportunities. We do not have to leave this country to have an income. It's here, friends. It's just here. The green grass on the other side, he says, is fake because it's not yours. Okay, so you just stay on your green grass and you water your grass so that it can stay green, so that it can produce, okay? Your grass is blessed by God. This is what we're hearing this morning. Our grass is already blessed by God. That is why God's blessings work where faith is. This is how we receive from God. We believe it and we receive it. When you believe it, you will live it. All that you and I need this morning is a change of perspective and a change of behavior. What is my perspective? What I believe in? Whom I believe in? 
Do I believe in a country whose economy is bad? Do I believe that that's my reality? Do I believe maybe that my life depends on what the president does for this country? No, it doesn't. I believe in God. And God's principles, God's truths are my truth. So I want to give you a picture this morning. See yourself coming through one of these doors. As you walk in the door, joy walks in. Peace walks in. Glory walks in. Love walks in. Healing. That's why, friends, you know, when we get our hearts established in the Word of God, I've known from the beginning, I'm not saying I can't get sick, but I, don't, I just don't believe in it. That's why we can go pray for people. You know, the church is supposed to be the place, even in COVID-19, that people will come to the church and say, pray for me. I am sick. That is only us that's going to have the guts and actually and the strength because we have conviction. Our hearts are established. So abundance walks in when you walk through that door. This is what God has done for us. Abundance walks in. So all that we have to do is to renew our minds and bring it in line with the word, what God says. Because we are called to be kingdom financiers of the kingdom of God. Second Peter 1 verse 3 in the Amplified says, For His divine power has given to us all things. I love the word, because what God has done is always all things. And all, like Pastor G says, is all that pertain to life and godliness. We access God's supernatural power by faith. So when bad things happen, we're not surprised, because bad things happen. We're actually prepared we are prepared when bad things happen because we live in a fallen world. Because circumstances does not determine my destiny. It's only a picture of my current location. I had to Uber a lot this, these few days. And you always have to give your location. And my location is Jesus. And I know yours is Jesus. That's our location. And the good news is that circumstances can change. Facts can change, but truth can never change. God's truth can never change. So I can lose my job. Or I can get an increase, one of the two. Everything is possible. So what is the definition of circumstances? It's changeable. There's nothing you and I can do about circumstances. And if we thought this was bad, what we've lived, Jesus said, bad's coming. But we don't have to be. We are prepared in Jesus' name because of an open heaven. The definition of truth for me is simple, Jesus. Open heaven. And Jesus changed our options forever. He actually uh, showed us how we can respond on circumstances because he gave us authority. Jesus was never moved by circumstances. He moved them. And how did he move them? He spoke to them, Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus spoke to the fig tree. And he said, you and I can move that mountain. So we move these financial mountains in Jesus' name today, because he did not call us to live a life of lack. He called us to a life of abundance. And that is why, this is a word that God gave me a while ago, that he gave us a new language. The language of grace, the language of his ability, of his power, of his favor. So, friends, language means the principal method of human communication consisting of words used in a structured and a conventional way through our words. That's what we write and our gestures. I love what language means because that includes not just my words, but also what I write. And also what I do with my hands. 
And that's where the giving, that's where the sowing comes in. So this language, now I speak differently. I don't speak like the world, world, world speaks anymore. And let me tell you, it is so easy to speak in these times, well, like what, the language of COVID-19, the language of uh, losing my business, the language of heartbreak, losing my house, whatever it is. Because of Jesus, we have a new vocabulary, a new set of words, a new way of expressing yourself. Can you hear what the world says? I don't have enough. I'm going to lose my house. They're talking about we're going to lose our jobs. All those things, negative words, words of death. But what does God say to us this morning? Hebrews 6 verse 14 in the Amplified. God swore to himself and said, I will surely, it's a sure thing, bless you and I will surely multiply you. God is in the multiplying business. His words are abundance. It's multiply, it's blessing. God will never make you smaller. If something in your life happens that diminishes you, don't accept it. It's not from God. Let it go. He says he changes us from glory to glory. That's how he does. So we're going to learn from Mary, the mother of Jesus and John 2 this morning, because that is just such a beautiful picture of me, what we need to do with our words, how we need to act, how we need to respond on bad things. Now, this is Jesus' first miracle in his ministry. And him, before I start, I want to say something about Mary, because Mary was not prepared for the big job to bring the Savior into this world. She was young, she was unqualified, um, but she was a life giver to Jesus. And as parents, we're all life givers. Pastor Henry is going to become a parent quite soon. We life givers to our children. We give life to them. And I say even parents who foster children or adopt children, they also life givers to those children. I actually knew a few and know a few in Cape Town. It's amazing to watch them with these kids because they give life to them. They gave them a new life. So as children of God, we are life givers to broken people in this broken world. God equipped us to do this. And how did he equip us to do this? By sharing with others what he gave to me. And that's exactly what Mary did. She shared with others what she had established in her heart. So, um, verse 2. Also, why I say that this miracle was birthed in Mary's heart is because she knew Jesus personally. She knew him well. She was his mom. She followed him. We know Mary followed Jesus wherever he went. She knew him personally, and that is why she expected the impossible from him. Do you know God so personally that you can expect the impossible from him? Mary trusted Jesus with this crisis. Mary believed that Jesus was the answer to the problem. So John 2 verse 2 says, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. So they were all day together. It was a lovely feast. Verse 3, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to Jesus, they have no wine. Now I told the guys in the first service that Mary as a woman, ladies, could have told anybody. I think I would have told my friend. We can start a gossip story. It's a terrible wedding this. Hey, they don't even have enough wine for all the guests. Surely they had, they knew the number of people that would be here, okay? She could have started a gossip, but she didn't. 
What did she do? She ran to Jesus. What are you and I going to do when we run into trouble? We're going to run to Jesus. In verse 4, Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. You know, suddenly Jesus didn't talk to Mary like she was his mom. She called him woman. Now, I was just thinking how she could have been offended by him doing this. Because she, I would have said, I'm your mom. What's your issue? You can't call me woman, you know. But we know that Jesus was at the beginning of his ministry, and that is why his, his position with her changed. She, he wasn't just her son anymore. He was Jesus the Christ. But regardless of Jesus' cold response to Mary, Mary didn't get offended. We, can, we, can't, we don't have to get offended when things doesn't go away. We just keep on believing because Mary trusted Jesus. Esther trusts what Pastor T taught us last week. She trusted Jesus with all of her heart. Mary had an expectation for a solution to that problem. And that's where the action of faith came. Mary's mind was made up about the situation even before she went to Jesus. You see how many times I were using the word established, mind made up? We've got to make our minds up now, friends, here today, church. Amen? Yeah, yeah. And while I share that with you, it's the same way. We have to do what Jesus told us. I want to share quickly with you a testimony of Greg and I. <clears throat> he did a project for Angola two years ago. For two years, they didn't pay us. And there were many times that I was aware, what is this blockage here? You know, the, what is blocking? The, the excuse was COVID-19. They couldn't get the money to South Africa, okay? which was unacceptable, but that was the excuse. And then in the end, they said to us, they're not going to pay. They can't, they're not going to pay, whatever the reason is. And I went to Jesus. I really went and sat at the feet of Jesus. I said, Lord, you have to show me because there's something. And immediately, I felt to my spirit, he said, sow your seeds of purpose. So I started sowing seeds of purpose. I would sow a seed to a minister and would say, Lord, this is for Angola. And this one, three days later, and not big, but this is for Angola. Because the amount doesn't matter. But he gave me the amount every time. For me, it was big. But it was the end of that month, Angola paid. After everything. After everything. And church, when, when, when I started helping with the finances at Faith Hill, the God, Lord also spoke. I was doing finances one morning, and I heard him saying, you're a church. You have to tithe. You have to sow as a church as well. You want to go heights? You, and I, I love praying about finances. That's my special. I love praying about finances. And I, at that moment, when I shared with Pastor Chipo, she heard exactly the same word. So we knew, and Pastor T as well, this was from God. And let me tell you what. The amount that we had in the church when I started doing finances two and a half years ago, it's way more. So I want to encourage you, as Faith Hill Church, we are um, good with our giving. Because Jesus said so. He told us to do that. And if you have any problem this morning regarding finance, go ask him. Because I've heard testimonies of people in this time, because of COVID-19, that he actually told them about another job because they lost a job. He gives us opportunities. All we have to do is to learn, listen to his voice. So in John 2 verse 7, Jesus said, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Now the servants followed Jesus' instructions. 
They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. The SR lesson, just do what he tells you to do. No arguing. I mean, they had to put water in the water pots. Just think about it. I'm sure they thought, really, Jesus? What's this guy going to say when we pour water into his goblet? It's not going to work. But they didn't say anything. I want to say it like that. They had the faith to do what he told them to do. They might not have agreed to them, with him, but they obeyed his instruction. Because in verse 8, he said, Jesus said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. This is actually quite a funny miracle. You can agree with me. Because it's impossible that that water would be wine. Can you imagine us being here and Pastor Henry tells you, you to go put water and then go tell someone he has a glass of wine for them or Auros or whatever? <laughs> the scripture here is for me a picture of the miracles in our lives when we trust God with our finances. Our water pot of clay for me is a picture of my my money bag or my wallet or my purse or my financial account, whatever it is. That's my water pot of clay. And when we give, we create a miracle. Our finances change from ordinary water to the best wine, not just wine. From ordinary to extraordinary. From natural to supernatural. And from little to abundance. We must remember those water in the pots was just water. But the moment that it was poured out, it became wine. So when I store and keep my, my water in my water pot, my finances, just mine, I'm protecting it. It's going to stay mine. It's going to be what it looks like. Am I right? But when I pour it into God's heart, into his cup, it's going to be abundance. It will create a miracle. Church, every time we respond on a grace instruction, the impossible becomes possible. Every time. Water changes into wine. Verse 9 tells us that the master of the feast did not know where the good wine came from. So he said to the bridegroom, most people give the good wine first, and then they give the bad wine. But you gave, you kept the best for last. There's a word that the Lord says now. He says, hold on to that miracle. Hold on to that promise, like Pastor Henry said, that God gives us in our hearts. Hold on. Don't let go. You know what my husband told me, what he said? He also said, we talked about it. He said, we, there's nothing we can do anymore. You know? If you think about a company has to pay you, it comes from them to us. So there was nothing we could do anymore to make this work. Because even scripturally and spiritually, we have done all we thought to do. But yet, there was something missing. There was something missing. So when we listen to Jesus, everything is going to change. Our God is an excellent God. He changes everything into the best. So verse 11 talks about the effect of this miracle. I love it. It reveals God's power and it glorifies him. We reveal God. This is what people need to see. We can preach all day long. Not everybody is going to receive Jesus, but let someone see a miracle. Five years ago when I was in Colorado, there was a man who lay there on a stretcher. He was completely lame apparently for seven years. Nobody prayed. He was, I saw him where we sat. The stretcher was just in the doors. And suddenly he got off the stretcher and he walked into the room. 
he was lame for seven years. That word, that seed that we sow, that you hold on to your seeds. And then the scripture says the disciples believed in him. People are going to believe because of your miracle. People's lives are going to be changed. So to honor God's instruction will relieve his, reveal his power and glory. And I love what Jesus says in John 15, 14. He says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. I love to be Jesus' friend. We've got a friend in Jesus. He's not someone far away. He's your friend. We connect with the grace of God through our giving. So I want to leave you with a, a blessing scripture this morning. Psalm 112 verse 1 in the Amplified says, Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man or the woman who fears the Lord with awe-inspired reverence and worship Him with obedience. It's actually saying prosperous and highly favored is the man and the wo woman who worship God with their obedience. That's all we need to do. So as we respond on Jesus' command, heaven comes pouring down. This is the key to every miracle in your life. Just do what Jesus tells you to do. You know, I was reminded yesterday when I was praying for this morning <clears throat> that Jesus was raised up from the dead. And today, we're going to rise up. Let's get up together. We're going to get up. We're going to rise up from that place of lack, from that place of heartbreak, from that place of defeat, from that place of sickness, whatever your place looks like this morning. Jesus rose up from the dead, and he gave you and I the ability to rise up. Oh, Father God, thank you that you gave us your son. Oh, Father, thank you that you love each and every one of us, also under the sound of my voice. Thank you that you're a miracle worker, a way maker. Father God, I know, I believe that hearts are healed this morning through your word, especially hearts that are burdened with, burdened with financial need. I speak God's abundance, his open heaven over you in Jesus' name. I lose his abundance over you, everything that you need and more, because you are a kingdom financier for the heavenly kingdom. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Thank you for those healings. There are healings in shoulders and healings in arms right now. There's an ulcer that's healed. There's deafness that's healed in Jesus' name. There's minds that are renewed to take this truth from God's word. Father, you are a good God. We receive every gift that you have given us. I speak abundance. Abundance. There are new businesses being born right now in Jesus' name. There are children who have been battling that their hearts are healed right now. A child that couldn't speak is speaking right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that our children are blessed. Thank you that our family are blessed. Thank you that Faith Hill Church, Father God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for our pastors, for Pastor Tafara and Chipo, Pastor Henry, every single serving yeah, person in this building. We thank you for Faith Hill Church. We thank you that you are setting each and every one personally on a hill this morning. 
the heal of Jesus, the heal of favor and healing and glory and abundance. And open heaven, receive it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You're going to have and you're going to see, and I'm waiting for the testimonies, for a blessed week and changed lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.